Today we are going to discuss why we worship and the purpose of worship, and hopefully when we conclude, you will have a much better understanding of what God says worship must be all about. I will also mention that I am going to be a bit redundant in the message as we cover several passages that overlap. And we will start by asking a few specific and important questions, and that of, why do Christians worship? How do we view worship in our lives? And how does God view our worship of Him? We also need to investigate our primary reason we go to a building we call church. And if it could be for no other reasons, then it makes us feel good, or perhaps it is something that is expected of us. And finally, we will look at our motives and actions when we arrive at our places of worship and whether or not we are being sincere, as in, are we God-centered or self-centered? And I know these are all very loaded, suggestive questions, but like it or not, they are all very real questions that everyone who claims to be a true Christian, a Christ follower, a believer, must get very, very serious with and check themselves on regularly. And we need to get very serious about what God views as proper worship And that leads us to our first passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Well, that's clear. We ask God for a Savior. God grants that request with the gift of himself through the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. God then grants the gift of himself as Spirit and establishes in us a temple church. But let's take a second look at this last sentence. What does that mean? We are not our own. Well, that sentence comes into play by virtue of the fact that we told God we were in need of being rescued. We told God that we are crashing and burning or have already crashed and burned. In a sense, when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have filed chapter 11. We have declared bankruptcy with him, and that is a complete acknowledgement that he must take over and run the show. In this case, we have submitted our lives to him and God is now in charge and we are no longer our own. In other words, we are no longer self-driven, but God-driven. So where do you stand right now on this? Have you or have you not asked God for help? And if you did ask for help, were you truly willing to receive and accept that help and let him take charge through Jesus? Or are you still holding onto the past? And it is important to preface very clearly that asking God for help and accepting or not accepting Jesus as your Savior is your decision. This is a decision for you to take or leave. This is between you and God and no one else. And I would strongly encourage you not to let anyone coerce you into making decisions you aren't sincere about, especially with God. Again, this is between you and God. And I should also note that there is no prayer on behalf of someone else that can get you saved and there are no prescribed words that are required of you to receive salvation. So if you are under new management and God has established a temple church in you, you are now ready to give God the honor, glory, and praise he both requests, desires, and is due. And this walks us into an often very controversial question, and that of how we are to present ourselves before God as the church when we gather in fellowship to worship our great God. So what does God honoring worship look like? Well, for starters, there are rules for worship, like it or not. And God has established the right way and the wrong way to come to him. And God's word outlines all this quite clearly. Now, some will say the only rule is God just tells us to come as we are, and that's all God cares about. 
and I'm sure many of us have heard that preached. However, this is another in a long list of sayings we have concocted that are not to be found in the Bible. And it makes sense that we can't find it, come as you are, in God's Word because it contradicts God's Word. Unfortunately, however, all too many churches promote and teach this non-biblical jargon and typically do even more damage to further emphasize God doesn't care what you look like or act like. So long as you show up in church, you can show up however you choose. This is a phrase we decided we liked, so we pulled it together for our benefit. We decided we can be, as Christians, who we want to be, and God would naturally be okay with that so long as we are in his presence. But none of that can be substantiated in the Bible. And this is why God set ground rules on how we are to worship and how we present ourselves and how we live all the time. He knew full well we would not waste any time setting up rules for ourselves and what we think he wants. And as we will find out, God's rules for worship are so straightforward and not half as complicated as we like to make it. Yes, I know I'm likely getting a few of you frustrated by these comments, but either it's godly or it's not. Either it's right or wrong, and there is no halfway or our way. Think of it this way. Is it not God's prerogative to decide what he expects from us in worship? Moreover, if we are truly interested in worshiping God, then wouldn't it make good sense that we would go out of our way to do exactly what makes him happy? But we don't often get up in the morning and think about what will make God happy with us. And the majority of the time, we put even less thought into all of this when we get up on Sunday morning to go and meet him with our fellow brothers and sisters for a time of fellowship and worship of him. So let's start off by digging into this controversial topic with this. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the honor and glory of God. And this passage is in complete contrast to come as you are which we define as come however you want and feel comfortable. But that is all about self, not God. So let's take a look at a few things that are not honoring to God in worship or any other time of our lives. And the first way we are not to worship or act anytime in any place as Christians, inside or outside of our places of worship, is to engage in being an exhibitionist. And what is an exhibitionist? First example, Pharisees. Second example, according to the dictionary, It is someone who acts extravagantly to attract attention. And that points back to exactly who the Pharisees were and taking what they did to supposedly honor God and turned that upside down and made it perfectly meaningless by means of the show they put on. God's word states clearly that true, reverent, humble worship that is pleasing to him is not at all based on our outward appearance. In no way is worship signified by specific body language, such as clapping, dancing, or waving hands and arms, folding hands for prayer, or standing and praying for all to see in the church, as we saw in our passage. You heard that correctly. Not even in the church are we to become exhibitionists with our worship. Let me be quite clear. This does not mean we can't respond physically with our worship, as is certainly pointed out for us throughout the scriptures, but it is saying in all that we do, It must be done in complete reverence and in a way that does not go against what God wants of us. We need to keep God's word in context. And expressing oneself in worship must be a manifestation of where the individual is with God on the inside. Our actions must emanate from the foundations of our temple church and resonate directly from God, not us. Again, remember, we are not our own. This isn't about us anymore. 
But all too often, that is not how it works during our time worshiping in church. It is often not about being led and encouraged to prepare our hearts to worship and coming into the presence of our Maker, the God of the universe. Rather, it is often the case the worshipers are coerced by someone with a prepared script on how everyone should physically demonstrate their worship, and all of this is done to get everyone in the mood and feel something that is supposedly worshipful and God-honoring. But I can't seem to find those instructions anywhere in Scripture. If you are by chance offended by this, that's unfortunate, because all that indicates is that we are following the wrong worship leader. And with that, we are going to get some commentary from our worship leader, God, and get his take on all this. From 1 Samuel 16, 7, The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Church, we cannot forget this, and this goes doubly for our leadership. Now, before we go on here, this passage does not contradict anything we just discussed with regard to doing everything to the best of our ability. This has nothing to do with having the option to look and act however we choose to. Again, we must keep God's Word in strict context. And the context is, we are being told from our passage here in 1 Samuel, just because you deck yourself out in an attempt to impress God, or to dress in rags in an attempt to impress others for how humble we are attempting to be for God, a personal example found in Matthew 6.16, God knows the real you. In other words, we can perhaps fake each other out with our appearance, but our games will not work with God, and God expects us to do and look and act our very best. So the direct answer from our passage in 1 Samuel, worship has nothing to do with how we think we should see ourselves to impress others. Worship starts in our heart, our minds, and is strictly between God and the individual. Period. It is not about being poked and prodded to react. Proper God-honoring worship must originate with God. And only then can it be expressed through us in sincerity, dignity, and in an honorable way. And this is something we should be hungry to embrace as believers if we are not in the right place with God and simply being told how we are to appear and act and blindly follow along. It is completely disingenuous. Yes, it is completely fraudulent worship, and so it has no value, and hence it serves no purpose other than to entertain. And could it likely be the reason that Christians are so often labeled frauds, hypocrites, and Pharisees, and that because we are being led and taught to worship in a prescribed way that is simply not sustainable outside the confines of the church building, and is disingenuous? Again, we are being led down a worship path by people, and we are not being led by the Spirit of God, we are well outside of the parameters of acceptable God-honoring worship, and we will subsequently live our lives as frauds. But when the church, and that would be the gathering of believers, not the building or the stuff in it, are led by God in a time of worship, then, and only then, will we be in right standing before God and able to exhibit and demonstrate worship that is genuine and then truly be able to live out a life that is consistent, whether we are in fellowship or worship or going about our daily lives. Let's read our passage again from Luke 18. Jesus said, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, the tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So why did Jesus say this? Because he knew and knows that this is what we very often act like. A bunch of Pharisees, yes, all of us, on many occasions. And just to keep the record straight, this is yet another area in which I participate all too often. But more impactful still is the fact that our passage states here that the church leaders, the supposedly trained church leaders, who are supposed to be teaching and living out a disciplined, godly life, a humble life, are getting it all wrong. They are flaunting God and their religion and attitude and their agenda. And this takes us to another powerful passage, and that from Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And this passage is still more powerful proof that we are to do our best, look our best, and act our best, minus the self-centered religious-looking theatrics. Again, more very compelling evidence as to why so many Christians and churches and church leaders, pastors, get mocked and ridiculed and are disrespected, and church attendance and church buildings are diminishing at record numbers and are either being bulldozed or turned into restaurants, bars, or stores. Many places of worship are doing nothing but putting on a show to entertain in hopes they can make a name for themselves, rather than making God's name the name above all names rather than letting God run the show by following what he taught us to do. The world is looking at the church, the believers, those who claim God, and watching our every move we make. And when we are not led by our one true worship leader, God, we will have nothing genuine in the spirit to take into the world, and that because it is no more than turned on and turned off. And if that is the case, we are truly and rightly labeled Pharisees and deserve no respect. More people I have spoken with about church reject it because they see people, as we discussed, acting one way in the building and a whole other way out of the building. And for that, we should be ashamed. But are we? Most often, Christians get crazy defensive about it and chalk it up to nothing more than the world doesn't understand God. The world hates God, and that is the only reason. Biblically speaking, that is indeed part of the reason but certainly not all of it. In my estimation, the church needs to get on their knees and repent for this. Will the world laugh at the church and mock Christians? Of course. But we are at this point inviting it on ourselves and being terrible witnesses, and we are truly living very two-faced. On a side note, I think I can safely say that if I were not a believer today, and based on what I have experienced in my 50 short years on the planet in numerous churches, I truly believe I would not pursue a relationship with God because to me, most churches look and act almost identical to the world. As I see it, the tenets of the church were once generally respected by the people, by the world, and now the church generally respects the tenets of the people, 
and of the world. And so it is in my 18 years of counseling and having had the opportunity to speak to thousands who did not or do not have a relationship with Christ and hearing their disdain for the church and organized religion makes incredible sense to me. The church is no longer a leader, but a follower of the world. And so it is dissolving into irrelevance. But it does not have to be this way because God has left powerful reminders of who we as Christians, believers, the church, must be inside and outside of our places of worship. We are without excuse. We need to model Jesus, not each other. We need to get disciplined and dedicated and be who God calls us to be and live the life he has called us to live. How do we do this? Let's look at Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't know about you, but this is yet another powerful set of words that once again tell us exactly how we are supposed to worship and exactly how we are to act. And did you hear the very specific and most impactful word we have come across so far on what we are to do in order to worship properly? We are to present our body as a living sacrifice. Notice, nowhere do we see being prepped, revved up, and directed by a script for a particular period of time. Let's dissect this, though. First off, what is a sacrifice? Primary example, example number one, Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of all sacrifices. And who did Jesus sacrifice himself for? You and me. Jesus, God in the flesh, surrendered his life. He humbled himself completely to be killed for you, to once and for all provide you and I with a way out. A way out of having to own our sins, all the things that would separate you and I from God eternally. So isn't that then how we should worship God? Isn't that how we should give back to him in worship, sacrificially, with every molecule of our body. But do you truly believe that is the way? Do we believe this? Well, if we do, and if it is indeed true, and if we preach that claim because we believe it's true, and that of needing to live Christ-like lives and walk in the footsteps of Jesus, then why isn't the church, us, you and me, living this out in reverence, inside and outside of our places of worship, all day, every day? Why do we just turn our worship on for singing and then turn it off when the teaching starts? Why is it that so many churches only call the time of singing in the service the time of praise and worship? Is that an indication that we only praise and worship during music and the rest of the service, the teaching of God's word, is relegated as a time of boredom and dread and a time to talk amongst ourselves to make lunch plans or to look at our phones? And the simple, sad answer to all of this is, for the most part, we don't even know how to worship. And we don't know how, for the most part, to worship because few pastors are teaching God's design for worship. And for the most part, pastors aren't teaching God's biblical design for worship because it doesn't appear to be exciting. And since it doesn't appear to be, on the surface, dripping with excitement and can't be presented in a cool, colorful way, that could cause a decline in membership which would cause a reduction in giving, which would put a damper on having more fun. And many churches today operate on the principle of, if you build it, they will come mentality. And that is living in nothing but a field of dreams. And again, way outside of God's design. Do you truly believe we are to live like Christ lived? 
Do you truly buy into God's word that we are to honor God with our bodies in a sacrificial manner, and that is the only true way to honor God? Where in God's word does it mention Christ putting on a show to be relevant and cool in an attempt to attract people? And that should be a big cue for us today and a great example of what worship is to look like today. Does this mean we can't be filled with joy and excitement and awe and have nice places of worship and grand expression in our time of worship? Not at all. And the scripture indicates it is perfectly okay. But could it be that we are dressing up our buildings and our preaching to look good on the outside, but sorely lack the meat? Has worship truly become an industry, a theater, a show, an event to tantalize all our senses and attract the masses? Is this what we are reducing God to? No more than one of our many events we attend for the week? And while worship, to a great extent, has been reduced to theater, and in fairness, it holds true on both sides of the aisle of worship in both the contemporary and the traditional churches, I don't believe we should settle for anything less than what pleases God and to do it to the best of our abilities and engage in God-focused worship, exactly as he wants it, and all to the very, very best of our abilities. And this now takes us to how we are to prepare ourselves for worship and present ourselves as living sacrifices, which, as we read in Romans, is required of us by God in order for us to truly worship in the Spirit. And for that, we will start by looking at the definition of the word sacrifice in the dictionary. And the dictionary says of sacrifice that it is to suffer the loss of something, give up, as in give away. In addition, it is to renounce something. And there you have it. That is what must take place in our lives in order for true worship to ever take place. We must give up, abandon, renounce, dump something. But what is it we need to abandon? The answer? Self. Problem is, however, that abandoning self is not at all simple in any way. In fact, it is the hardest thing we will ever face giving up in this earthly life. But why is it so hard? Well, it's hard because our desire is to look inward rather than upward. We look to others far more quickly than we look to God. And why? Well, we can blame Adam and Eve for that. Think about it. The only reason Adam and Eve noticed they were naked and felt ashamed is because after they ate the fruit, their eyes were indeed opened and opened to self. And for the first time in human history, we took our eyes off God. And for the first time, we looked inward at each other. And at the same moment, our perfect communion and fellowship of uninterrupted worship, seeing nothing but God, came to an abrupt end. And because of that, we now view everything through the lens of self, and that has filtered right down to how we view worship today. But that can't be our excuse. The cheap line, I'm just a human, doesn't cut it with God. Self also builds walls, thick walls, between us and God. Self is not humble and reverent. Rather, self is a Pharisee. Self is looking around at how others worship, and self judges everything. Self is corrupt. Self is my way. Self is where I get my strength from. Self is what gets me places. And self has very little interest in God. Yes, Christ follower, that is you, and that is me. And so it is today that our true worship, our true fellowship, and our genuine communion with God is a mess, and all due to the fact that we more often than not love self more than God. We worship self over God and fellowship with self more than with God. And this is exactly why our time of worship looks like it does. 
So what are you and I going to do about this? How do we at least attempt to get on the right track with God in our time of worship as the church? We need to get serious, very serious. We need to get in God's face every day and ask for guidance and wisdom. And we need to be truly hungry to do what he wants, not what we want, and that is to follow the directions and that of coming as a living sacrifice. And that can only be accomplished by preparing our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus for worship. And not on the way to worship, but all week long. Does it mean we will be able to eliminate self in our lives? No, but at the very least, we need to start dealing with it. Will self still get in the way of proper worship? Sure it will, but at least we are making daily strides with God to grow closer to him. But how do we prepare ourselves? to be that living sacrifice for the Lord so that we can engage in genuine fellowship and worship. We need to fire up the altars in our lives, those altars in our individual temple churches. We need to get the coals red hot and sacrifice to God everything that hinders our temple church from being a genuine place of profound worship. And once and for all, we need to sacrifice self on that altar. We need to sacrifice the filth and the perversion, what we want, what we expect, and what we think we deserve. We need to sacrifice entitlement and what we expect from others and all of the things we expect from God. Ask yourself this, would you attend a place of worship that did believe, thought, taught, and talked about all the twisted, perverted, resentful, and dark things you and I think and do in our minds and have been doing for decades? Just how much corruption, lying, selfishness, ego, pride, anger, hate, rebellion, and all-out perversion is piled up in our temple? and all while the altar is cold and covered in cobwebs. Ask yourself, when was the last time you went before the Lord and sacrificed on the altar of the Savior, the filth, in your temple? Don't forget, God is in the temple church he established in your life. The very place you and I attempt to hide the most ugly aspects of our lives. And without thought of what God thinks about what we are storing in his presence, And these are the things we all need to sacrifice if we are to get right with God and each other and prepared to worship him. And how do we sacrifice all this stuff? Go and confess your sins before God, all of them. Put them all on the altar. Keep in mind, John 14, 23, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. How about one more, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. It's time to start sacrificing to the Lord what we have been building up and storing and all the things that are hindering us from running the good race for God and hindering our worship and our testimony. Let's take a look at Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. For me, worship is very serious, and it is so serious to me because I fully recognize just how hard it is to get in the right place in my life with God to truly worship. And this is why I crave a place of worship that will inspire challenge and sharpen, a place to worship that is solely focused on Christ-centered, Bible-centered basics and all things that point to God, not self. 
a place that is serious about being a light to the community, a place that truly lives out what God's Word tells us to live out, and doing our best to live as worthy sons and daughters in our community. And it is for this and many other reasons that Four Peaks Christian Church has been formed. We believe it is time to set out on a journey to grow and go, an initiative we will be launching at the end of 2024. And while our service style is not at all revolutionary or by any means new, we believe it provides exactly what is needed to distinguish a time of worship and meditation from anything else we can engage in during our daily grind through life. We intend Four Peaks Christian Church to serve as a place of contemplation, a place to turn ourselves over to our Lord for restoration, a place to grow and be challenged in God's Word, and a place to practice and live out our reverence for Him. Every aspect of our worship service must be intentional. There is no one part of a service that takes precedence over the other. Every word that is uttered and all aspects of our music are done to edify everyone and all to the glory of God alone. And should any of this interest you, I invite you to learn more about our mission, vision, and statement of faith and what will drive this new church. And for that, please visit the Four Peaks Christian Church website at www.fourpeakschurch.com.